Cloud computing offers organizations many benefits, including the potential to cut costs. But among the hidden dangers in cloud computing are contractual. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with Francois Gilbert of the IT Law Group, an international lawyer who specializes in information technology and security. Welcome, Francois. Nice to meet you, Eric. Many managers approach cloud computing are aware of its technical and financial benefits, but often don't think of its legal ramifications. Why is such an approach risky? It's risky because the contracts that we see for cloud services are most of the time very much one-sided. So if you don't pay attention to the contract that you sign or the one on which you click on the web, you may find yourself in a situation that is not really what you thought it was going to be. These contracts can be terminated at any time. The terms can change at any time. The price can change at any time. That's not really what the typical company expects when buying services. One of the things that struck me that you said was they just click on an agreement. So this is the same kind of agreement seems to maybe some users as if they're going to use Adobe Acrobat. Yes, people are used to to clicking on about anything when when they go on the web because they are in a hurry and they they want to download this or that. And so there is a user agreement and they are so eager to get the next app or the next game that that they click on on an agreement. They do the same thing, unfortunately, when they are buying very serious, very significant cloud computing services for their company and they click on the user agreement or the, the customer agreement or terms and conditions, you name it, without often paying attention to the, the terms of these agreements. That's one kind of mistake people made. What are some of the other common mistakes organizations make from a legal perspective as they pursue cloud computing contracts with service providers? The first mistake is that some people use cloud computing when they should not. They ignore the, the laws that uh, to, to which they are, they are subject. For example, when you are a regulated company, you cannot just go into a contract without any precaution. As an example, the, the healthcare industry, if you use a service provider, this service provider is often deemed a business associate. And there are rules. You cannot just enter a contract with a business associate by clicking on a document that has been drafted without any reference to, to these restrictions. Business associates have to contain a certain number of clauses. Uh, they, they, have, they have provisions that are dictated by the health and human services. You have to have these provisions. If, if you go on Amazon and you click on the, the Amazon contract, th- there will not be any provisions that address these requirements. Yeah, there are entities, uh, I've heard people, I've heard companies, particularly in the healthcare field, who are using cloud services and as I question have they thought about the, the the fact that this is regulated and that they have to have a business issue. And then that applies in, in other circumstances. I, mean, I use the, the, the example of, of a regulated entity, but if you take just a, a simple company under California law, we have, there is a requirement that if you're going to uh, use a service provider connection with the processing of certain types of information, such as social security numbers, record information, health information, you have to have specific written contract with that service provider that has specific security measures requirements. Service providers that provide contracts online, are they reluctant to deal otherwise? Or if they're contacted, they're more than willing to start negotiating terms? It depends. uh, Because 
one thing that is very important to understand in a cloud computing business model is that it's big business. It, it's like switching from the flower shop around the corner and going to the big store. They have a different business model. The business model is to uh, treat the, the customer in a very generic way, they, to use the economy of size, to use the fact that you have they have zillion servers and they put everybody in there. Their business model is different. It's not that they are bad people who don't want to be nice to their customers. It's just that it does not fit the business model. And, and frankly, if you are paying, for example, I, I store uh, videos that I do for, for, for my work, you know, training videos. I store these training videos with one of the service providers and the cost is about $2 a month. What do you expect to get for $2 a month? You don't expect to get very significant security. It's a give and take. You have to be to, to understand that if you pay such a small amount to store your data, you cannot be buying the services of uh, Fort Knox, for example. Is there a problem at all about who owns the data? And is that discussed in these contracts? It's not discussed in, in these contracts very much. The, the service providers request to have access to the data and to be able to use the data in connection with the provision of the services. They usually don't claim ownership of the data. Frankly, I think they don't really care unless uh, very specific entities who would want to mine the data for advertising purposes. It depends on the type of, of hosting that you have. If you are a business and you are hosting your email with Microsoft or with Google, this is one situation. If you are an individual and you are hosting your videos with YouTube, it's a different situation because on, on one end you, you pay and on the other one it's free. So the, 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 those service providers, those cloud providers who provide services for free tend to want to have a, an ownership of, of the data. I mean, look at, for example, what, what Facebook is doing. In this case, there may be questions about who owns the data and who wants to take ownership of the data. In the business world, it, it's less of an issue. What are some of the essential steps an organization should take when planning to use cloud computing services from a legal perspective? The first thing to do would be to figure out whether they legally can do that and whether there are any legal requirements that prevent them from doing that. I gave you earlier the example of the HIPAA-regulated entities. Definitely, they should take a look at what they are doing because there are restrictions. It's not just for the regulated entities. There may be circumstances where the company has made representations or has agreed in a contract to do certain things, such as not to use service providers. They can't do that if they have made this commitment not to use a service provider. That's the first thing to do. do. Do your own due diligence and figure out whether you can do what you want to do. The second one would be to do a due diligence of that service that you want. How good is this? What kind of reputation does it have? Is it reliable? For example, we've seen a number of outages with companies. Uh, if you have a type of data that are very sensitive, that are very important to you, you may decide not to use cloud now because you may be concerned about outages. On the other hand, if you use cloud for just basic storage purposes, maybe that's, that's okay. There is a, an, a, an outage and you lose data for a day, may not be important to use. Look at what these other companies uh, offer and whether that fits with your own business model. Then once you have identified the, the right companies for you, the next thing is to, to read this, this contract 
and understand them. Uh, you have to remember that in most situations, this contract is not going to be negotiable. There are cases where the contracts are negotiated when it's a big deal, when it's a large enough deal that the cloud provider is, is willing to open up. But in most circumstances, the contract will not be negotiated. It will be whatever you, you find on the web. So you, you should read this contract and understand it. For example, looking at a few contracts in preparation for the interview, if you take an Amazon an AWS customer agreement, the, the current version, uh, this contract may change, continue at any time. This is very important. If your data and the service changes, what you do. There are provisions that are very important. One day you pay $2, the following week it's $20. Is this something that your company can accept? Accept the fact that the price can change and if it works for you, you only have 30 days to, to move your data and find a place to host your data. So that that's something to, to think about. And there are other issues, for example, Liability, what, what happens if there is a problem? What would the company do? For example, the, the Google Apps contract, in that contract, the liability of the company is limited to 12 months worth of fees that you have paid. It's very typical, and we've seen that in, in many times uh, in, in other circumstances with other contracts. But going back to my example of my $2 storing of my videos, let's say Google loses my videos, 12 times 2 equals $24. That's all I can expect. If all of my videos are gone, I'll get $24. This is something I can live with or not. It depends on, on the situations. It depends on, on what you want to do with, with your data, but you, you should understand the consequences. If you look at the, the Amazon contract, there is no warranty at all. The services are provided as is. In this case, basically, if they lost my videos, I think the there I would get zero, not even $24. This would include if they're they're hacked in some form. Hack or your computer that crashes and that just loses the data. These things happen. Technology is wonderful, but it's not totally magic. Sometimes there there are things that are being lost. Are there any kind of contractual clause that organization could ask the uh, provider to have in the contract? Oh, many, many of them. <laughs> that that depends on on the negotiation uh, power. The, you know how, how much bargaining power the the company has. But definitely, I would be concerned about the pricing. For example, the the change in, in price. It's something that may be important. Or uh, um, making sure that if there is a change in pricing, there is a cap. They can change the price up to a certain amount. So that's a better provision. Uh, in terms of of warranty, you could. Uh, want to ask that service provider give a, a warranty of, of its uh, services, that, that it will provide the services in accordance to the description that it has something else. For example, if you look at the, the Google contract, the, you know, I, I said Amazon doesn't make any warranty. Google does make a warranty. They warrant that it will provide the services in accordance with their applicable software selling service level agreement. These are things that should be in a contract. But it sounds like uh, unless you're an organization of some size, I'm not quite sure what that size would be, you may not have very many options. It's it's, uh, basically you take what is provided in the contract and you have to do your risk management assessment to see if it's worth doing. Yes, exactly. 
exactly. And and there is nothing wrong with that. It's just that it's a different world. It's a different offering, and you, you there is a price for everything. Remember, uh, if if you don't use the cloud, your storage, your service, your apps, your applications, all of that will cost you more. Very likely, cost you more. So if if there is a financial savings, there, there is no miracle. The savings comes to the detriment of, of something else. Francois, I thank you very much for spending some time with us. You're welcome. I've been speaking about the legal ramifications of cloud computing with Francois Gilbert of the IT Law Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.